a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome everybody to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the Seattle Supercross Review. Thank you for listening, and thank you for checking out flyracing.com. They make much more than gear. They make mountain bike stuff. They make uh, snow snowmobile stuff. They make watercraft stuff. And uh, being April 8th today when we're recording this, so please check out stuff, some, some of their watercraft, some of their mountain bike stuff. It's starting to warm up out there. And uh, flyracing.com plus... They make the gear that Justin Brayton, Zach Osborne, Weston Pike, Seven Deuce Deuce, Ben LeMay, just a few of the guys out there wear flyracing.com uh, gear, and it's fantastic. Go to the website, check it out, get it from your local dealer, and uh, thank you, everybody, for the support of Fly on this podcast over the years. I greatly appreciate it. It's by far the best podcast out there of any other podcasts that are even out there. It's this one is the best one. And also, too, Alpine Stars and Maxis. Uh, MXST tire coming out soon, developed by the king, Jeremy McGrath. Whether it's your light truck, your car, your ATV, your mountain bike, uh, Maxis Tires has had, got you covered, hooking you up and helping you get the whole shot. Maxis.com and Alpine Stars. We all know Alpine Stars. We all use their products over the years, uh, and uh, they're a fantastic company from the from the Tech 10 boot, which is basically the, the uh, hottest boot around and the benchmark motocross boot in the industry, to the A4 chest protector, which is a fundamental statement for the company responsible for the continued progression of cutting-edge tech and industry-leading safety. Uh, Alpine Star A4 chest protector combines performance and protection into a lightweight chest and back protector that offers a modular design that can also be used with a bionic neck support system so we thank all those companies for making this happen and we thank you guys for listening let's dive into it first up he's an arena cross lights champion he's the owner of eagle grit hand care but more importantly he's the voice of supercross live he's on the fox show on on uh, on supercross tv he's daniel blair what's up db where's weege uh weege has bowed out weege is gone um so you're in Forever? Um, yeah, forever. We fired him. We fired him. Oh, Weech, so Weech went this... back. Weech went back to his roots. He went back to the GNCC race this weekend. Uh, so he doesn't even. So he doesn't even know what happened. No idea. No idea. I think he just knows uh, uh, Caleb Russell and and whatever. Um, like right. I said, Daniel, the best podcast, the number one, the best podcast out there. This one. It's pretty good. I mean, when I'm on it, for sure. <laughs> All right. Okay. Also on the line from Fly Racing, he's a German Supercross champion. The Montreal Supercross winner, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? How do you fire your boss? I need I need more insight on this. <laughs> I just fired him. I told him he was done. Finished. Just like impeaching the president. Yeah, pretty much. See you, Weege. All right. He's garbage. He's garbage on these things, anyways. Let's face it. He offers nothing. 
All I right. want no part of that comment. <laughs> Let's get started. Subscribe to Racer X Magazine, by the way. I got an Eddie Hicks story in there. It's, it's incredible. Um, okay, let's get started. Seattle Supercross has come and went. Eli Tomac the winner, Aaron Plessinger the winner in the 250s, but it was a complete, I don't want to say nightmare, JT, but uh, not very high on the entertainment factor, Seattle Supercross this year. Yeah, you know, we've been flirting with a mud race for a long time. You know, if you go back to some of the Anaheims and and just over the last couple of years, we've dodged a lot of bullets. And, I, you know, I don't think it's all luck. You know, Dirtworks has done an incredible job of keeping us from having a mud race. But, you know, it, it was about time. You know, I, I raced a lot of mud races in my day. And, man, these guys have been very fortunate. So, you know, while it was boring and the racing is in slow motion and there's a lot of downsides to it, uh, I, I'm okay with one every, you know, one every couple of years. I think it just completely changed the landscape, and you just see totally different things than you're than you're used to seeing. Well, it didn't completely change the landscape. Tomac, Anderson, Muscan was your podium in 450s. No, I, I know, and, 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 you know, but I'm saying like, you know, Brandon Leaf being the fastest qualifier in the 250. Yeah, I guess. Uh, you know, like Adam Cinturello's bike not finishing the heat race. You just see like crazy stuff go on. Not, I don't want to see it. Right. I don't even want to see one a year. I'm just saying once every few years, I think it's it's just reminds everybody like, hey, yeah, you know, Mother Nature can really wreak havoc on these things if everything goes wrong. I'm of the opinion, like, and JT, you said it, we've been dodging these, we, especially Seattle. We have gotten lucky. It has not yep. been that bad. Um, in my opinion, Daniel, just get out of there, man. Get, or put it next to Vegas. You know, push it as far as you can push it. Um Look, the fans, there were, there were lots of fans there. It, they were there. Th- that's not, that's, you know, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't feel like that is, is, like Anaheim 2005, freak thing in Southern California, and we had a mutter, and it was gnarly. And what can you do about that? But this Seattle thing, uh, we've been getting lucky and lucky and lucky. It finally bit us. I'm of the if I'm felled, if I'm somebody in charge, I'm just going. You know what? It maybe we got to rethink this race or push it all the way to to before Vegas, Daniel. You want me to talk to the bosses again? Is that yeah. is that what this show is going to be about again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Am I just a message relayer? Is right. That all you have me on here when you need to say hey, something to relay uh, a message. This is going to be you. Uh, yeah, a uh, Todd Gendro. Yeah, this is Daniel Blair. Uh, Steve Mathis. Click. <laughs> <laughs> I talk no. to Steve. Click. No, but for real, no, like, yeah, like I, I don't, I don't think what we saw was entertaining. I don't feel like what we saw was anywhere near, you know, what people want to pay for for their tickets. And if I'm a team, I'm going really. What, what are we doing? And and that's because we should have this almost every single year, and we've been getting lucky. And I, that's the thing. I don't know how every year when 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 you see Seattle on schedule, you look. You're like, oh boy! And then for how many years now? It ended up being really, really good. And I think the hardest balance with the scheduling thing is you, you can't ditch that market. I mean, you saw the people—they're diehards up there, man. They 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 showed up. Mm-hmm. The weather—I mean, it, they didn't seem to phase them. So there's a market there that they have to go after. And then if you just look at that schedule, I don't know where you can put. I guess you could go late April, but Seattle gets it late April too. So yeah, I think it's one of those things. You just flip the coin and you hope you get it. And for the most part, I. They get they get lucky more than they don't, and but I am with JT. I, I don't want to see these all the time, but hey, throw one in every couple of years just to just to see how the the most talented riders in the world 
yeah. react to that situation. It is fun to watch. And as far as entertaining, yeah, of course, the racing wasn't. But, I mean, I can tell you ten things right now that made me laugh throughout the night. So I, <laughs> there, there's entertainment there, believe me. But it's not, like you said, we're, we're, we're hoping for a battle. We've seen them this year. We want a good one. Wow. And it wasn't that kind of race. Okay, how about this then? You, you know you're going to get dumped on, Daniel. You know it's going to be... Uh, soft anyways. If it doesn't rain, it is going to be soft and ruddy and really hard to make the obstacles. Why are you building a full soupy track? Why aren't you mellowing everything out, leaving some jumps completely out so you can maybe get some speed going, uh, you know, knocking down whoops right away. They did it before the LCQ, which is really weird. Like, okay, we got it. It's it's cool. And, and I and I see your guys' points. I'm not I'm not steadfast in what I was saying. But can we design the track for for what we pretty much are guaranteed to see condition-wise, Daniel? Do you want me to relay that message, too, to the dirt workshop? <laughs> I mean, I'll tell them, too. What it, yeah, please do. I got my notepad. Right. I, I got a pen and paper out. Whatever you got, I just, just give it to me now. I'll, I'll give all the messages. Look, I know some team owners were like, what the F? I talked to some of them. And I, I mean, you know, they're going to always be upset when things don't go their way. If, if they, one of their guys had won, right. they would be like, this is the greatest thing ever. So I keep that in mind at all times. Everyone's very biased. But I talked to some team owners. They're like, what the F? Like they knew this hold track. On. Was, well, hold on a second. Okay. All right. What, hold on. Was the track, you thought the track was super gnarly? Because I didn't think it was gnarly at all. Well, they I mean, they, they could barely get through the whoops until they knocked them down. Okay, well, okay, the whoops I, I get, and they, they made, you know, adjustments. They knocked them down, but there were, I mean, I felt like the track was the most basic track design of the year before we even got there. You know, I'd do a column on Thursday where I break down the whole thing, and it, it was so easy and simple before we even showed up, just on paper. Yeah, but the conditions I mean, make it really gnarly and tough, so let's... Yeah, but there's just single jumps, like... I'm not. I mean, they weren't doubling. They were barely doubling anything. Like, how? How is that dangerous or something? I don't. I mean, no. What I'm saying is, is what I'm saying. JT is knock some things out so you can double some things. Like, create. Yeah, I don't build. I think it was too muddy. I think it was too muddy. You can make it as doubles as round as you want, but when there's a rut all the way through them, it's well, not going to matter. But I, what I'm saying is, let's try a different track for the conditions that we know are going to be there. You know, let's not just build nah, a spec uh, super. Co- I mean, the guys I, were the guys were having trouble. Riding down the backside of the takeoff of the finish, like why? Why was it like that to start? Like what? <laughs> what it was what were they? gnarly, dude. You see those ruts? <laughs> like stuff. knock that thing down. Like it's it's done. So we're uh, a foot tall, and guys were couldn't get I, thrown. I so know how's that gonna affect. I know what you're saying, Steve. You're you're what you're saying is if if it's inevitable and it's full blown and and it is what it was. Don't even make it a supercross track. Make it a retro where you're get some get some mile per hour going, get some racing going. Yeah, let's. let's and I I, I, yeah. I mean I agree. Like if we knew for sure one hundred percent it was non avoidable, which this one was close, but I think they had to keep into consideration what if this thing like last year somehow blows by and now you got a beginner track out there. So I, like I said, I think they got mellower as the night went on once they knew it was what it was. Yeah. But I think they were holding on because even during the day. They were all watching radar. I mean, we were kind of timing this thing because, I mean, if you saw the way Brandon Leith rode, it wasn't that bad right away. It got worse, but if no rain came, it, it could have been decent. No, so I think they were kind of just if saving no, it just in case. If no rain came, we got last year. That's what we got. Right. We got well, the dirt was different, so dirt was harder apparently. Right. Different new dirt, but but we basically have last year, and last year wasn't bad. You know, we dodged a bullet. You know, it was it was okay, but. 
I don't know. Like just right. just be like, okay, we're here. It's gonna get wet. It's super soft. Let's tr- try something with the track. Let's try something to make racing happen because there wasn't much racing going on. It was mistakes and blown up bikes. You know. So uh, I, I don't know. Let's just try something different. If, if that's how we're gonna be, I, that's how. I, that's what I think. I mean. Yeah. And in and in hindsight, knowing that okay, it's gonna do what it did. I think that would have been cool. It would have been yeah. rad to see more singles and, you know, out on the flat, more straight yeah, with all that. But yeah, like, again, let's, I, I let's, let's go, the, let's go crazy. Yeah, let's go crazy. But that's, make it, it, but that's again, and that's in hindsight. I, going into it at 3 o'clock or 2 o'clock or whenever, they're still holding out hope because if that baby somehow, that storm passes and we're running this thing regular, then they would, do you want to hear the teams cry then? Uh, oh, boy. But, I mean, the, like JT, it would have been just ruts everywhere no matter what. The, the, the best thing, the best outcome was last year for us. And that was right. still an almost unpassable track. So if you make it tame down and dumb down, it might improve the entertainment value. I don't feel like I don't feel like that was real entertaining last time. I mean, I know Daniel, you said you laughed about things, but I mean, I don't consider that entertainment. I guess I it is. I guess in a way, <laughs> if you want to point and laugh like the guy from Simpsons, like Nelson, you know. That's, <laughs> well, that's what I was getting at. There, there was entertainment yeah. in there. There was. You know, just, I mean, to me, honestly, as crazy as it sounds, watching Anderson ride just by himself yeah. was entertaining to me. And yeah. I, I I don't know what was going on with that guy last night. I, I, I think I might have said it in the broadcast. He was the only guy there with something to lose. And it's like he was trying to for whatever. I, I don't know what his deal was, but he was so aggressive. And just watching him, I was laughing a lot because I yeah. couldn't believe a guy was going to go that hard with that much at stake and it ended up being okay for him but yeah well that's, man, a, a few times i was like jason dude stop that's in my notes so let's just start there before we get to tomac then yeah jt uh daniel's exactly right anderson had a ton to lose in a race like this and he was nfg out there it was exciting uh it bit him in the heat we crashed i think three or four times although he still probably finished all right in the heat i forget what he got but he still finished okay and in the main it only got him once but yeah he was nfg man uh, it was it was an interesting strategy by Jason Anderson. Yeah, I think he just kind of tried to ride free and not really worry about the point. And yeah, it bit him. But it, you have to also realize if you, if you crash when you're going that slow, it's you just fall over. Like there's no, you know, it's not going to be some high impact, dangerous crash. So I think he was just like, hey man, I'm going to go try to win the race, even if I fall over, or whatever. I'm just going to pick my bike yeah. up and go. But if I go. If I slow down and just ride around, I'm going to be probably four or five seconds a lap slower than I could go. So yeah, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go for it. And if I fall over, whatever, it's going to be a super slow fall, and I'll pick my bike up, and I'm going to be muddy anyway, and we'll yeah. you know keep on going. But I, I can see what you guys are saying, but at the same time, I don't think I don't think we're dealing with Ryan Dungey here either. Like that's just not how he thinks. I don't think his brain works the same way like a dungy would where he's just going to he's just going to back it down and ride this thing all the way in like i think he wants to win races he was he was good man yeah he was it was interesting for sure and he, you know he got second he put points on marvin that's that's the bottom line he, he still put points on marvin but yeah he was um he was just trying to ride it like it was dry daniel just like screw it yeah and you saw it from the beginning i mean he was that way in qualifying yeah he was that way in his heat he was that way in the main and like you said, I, I like well what JT just said. I think he he wanted to win, plain and simple, and that's all he really cared about that night. And you know, maybe it's one of those things too where you ride real slow, you ride too careful. Maybe the bike overheats. Maybe you fry the clutch more. I mean, yeah. he seemed to be riding 
off his clutch more than anybody. And and for the most part, though, I, it was entertaining to me because in those circumstances, you don't see much aggression. But in the heat race, he goes down the whoops, he gets up, and then just rails the inside and doesn't stuff Tomac, but just crosses over in front of him. And I'm like, yeah. Okay, this is a guy, like I said, he's not out there to survive. He's out there to actually race. He was trying to race. Yeah. And he was the most entertaining individual out there, not only because of what he was doing, but because he had so much at stake. And that's what – it was cool to not see him, of all people, be the one, let me just get through this. Like, no, I'm I'm going for it. And that – I mean, that made it interesting to me. I, my eyes didn't go off him too much in the main because I was curious of his – is he yeah. going to catch Tomac and win this thing? Yeah. Or is he going to crash out onto the concrete? And because he it, it, he was going for it either way. Uh, JT, I talked to some riders afterwards and teams. Mixed reaction on cutting down the mains as much as they did. Um, Weston Pike said that was awesome. He would have liked it even shorter. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. a lot of guys are like, I don't know, man. Like it's it's it doesn't matter. Laps don't matter. It's just minutes. That's all we do now. Whether it's two laps or, or twenty four laps, it doesn't matter. So, um, what do you think? I think they got gun-shy after the heat races because, you know, we saw Adam Cintero's clutch burn up, and we saw some really difficult track conditions in the heats that were, I think, a lot worse than the main event. You know, the, the track was really tough to ride in the main event, but as far as, you know, uh, bikes, you know, failing, other than Chad Reed, I didn't think it was too, too bad on it. You know, it was just really ruddy and really difficult to ride around, but it wasn't. there wasn't standing water, there wasn't, uh, big holes where guys were getting completely stuck or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just really hard to ride. So I think they got a little gun shy. And I think they also looked at the track and said, well, what do we have to gain by a bunch of bikes, you know, DNFing and it looking terrible on TV? That's not going to accomplish anything. So let's just go a little bit safe here. You know, we could go um, 12 and 17 or we could go 10 and 15. Let's just, let's be safe. Let's I mean, have everybody they finish. really cut it you know, back a lot. Uh, I, I agree. I, yeah. I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Right. I, I, well, I'll go on record as saying I don't think it was long enough, um, but I think they just erred on the side, side of caution more than anything. I think it's hilarious, and you guys are former pro riders, and so you're probably going to disagree with me on this, but these jerk-off riders, I mean, listen, lay off your clutches, bros. Like that, I guarantee you, if you dropped in the MXGP class from, from Italy, okay, well, Maybe that's a perfect example because there might be the ambulance might be there. But if you dropped in the MXGP guys onto that track, nobody's bike would break. I almost guarantee you nobody's <laughs> bike would break. Those guys know how to ride motorcycles in the mud. I talked to two teams, and I'm like, what'd you do about your clutches? What'd you do about your motor, your ignition packages, your, 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 your timing and everything else? What'd you do? And two teams told me, well, we didn't do much. We put in some stiffer springs. But it all comes down to the rider. We told the rider, hey, your bike is going to go. Your clutch will not last if unless you stay off it. Like, I just, it was ridiculous. Some of these, some of these riders were DNFing with their clutches. AC and the cycle trader guys and so many guys. Just, what are you doing? Right? Like, like and I guess you guys, I don't know. Are you, DB, do you agree with me? Do you, do you, do you, am I crazy? No, you're right, and that's the problem. Is we don't we don't do that here. The riders here don't really know exactly what to do. I mean, this week on Instagram, I mean, I'm on Instagram. I'm watching the stories. I watch the riders. I can't tell you how many guys I saw shredding laps on hard pack all week long. I mean, you guys don't have the weather up too. You don't know what's coming. Yeah. And they're doing like Thursday. They're doing hard motos on blue groove hard pack, 
and there's the example. They go to the race and they don't know how to ride in it. And I'm, I can't, I can't get all cocky like I did. I, anytime it rained in my area, I wouldn't ride. I'm not <laughs> cleaning up that mess and going through that either. But right. I just think now we, it's not. They're not as used to stuff like that. And you said it, the yeah. GP guys, they, they are like so in tune with stuff like that. And yeah, you drop them on that track, and yeah. I mean that'd be that'd be quite wild. But yeah, I think for the majority of the guys, they just didn't know. And like you said, you can make adjustments, but yeah, I'm honestly surprised not more of these guys had a recluse auto in their bike. I mean, my kid's got a recluse auto in a '65. That thing wouldn't have fried. You could ride it first gear on the track, don't even touch the clutch. And I'm kind of surprised that no one went to something like that. They they have to know about it. Yeah. What do you think, JT? You want to know what it would have looked like? Did you watch Motocross Nations this year? That's what it looked like. <laughs> How'd we do? Yeah. Really badly. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, really I, you know, badly. as a former mechanic, I'm kind of like, ah, what can you do? You can take some compression out. You can change the map. You can uh, you can figure it out here and there. You can put stiffer clutch springs in. And, and, and some teams I talked to did all that. And, and they still had riders that, that, that just failed. It's like, come on, man. Come on. Stay off the clutch. It's you know, Tomac said something in the press conference. So he said mm. of all the mutters he's done in the past, however many years, this was like the slowest one, mile per hour wise. Yeah. So again, maybe they're thinking, okay, we're gonna have a mud race like Vegas two years ago, where they weren't frying clutch. I mean, I, I think that they weren't prepared for it to be this slow and this survival. So right, right. maybe next time they'll have a little bit better idea of how to handle this. And, and I mean, look at the schedule. We got Foxborough and Salt Lake coming, so it's, this might yeah. not be the only one. So I, I can only imagine they're going to be smarter with stuff like that. But if you look back at the last few mutters, we they haven't been that slow and you know rolling leg out. I mean, the, the Vegas a couple of years ago they were still going pretty fast, and obviously that's in the high desert. They got it's a different soil, but yeah. I just don't think that they were ready for this kind of mud. I don't know. Some teams are just like, these guys got to learn how to ride. You got like, you have a responsibility as a rider to make your machine last. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we didn't see much shakeup. I, well, I guess we did. Savachi. First of all, Joey, he got docked in the heat race again for picking his bike up and cutting a corner off. JT, come on, Savachi. Come on. Yeah, he might want to look into that strategy because it doesn't seem to be working out. <laughs> like, over two, dude. What are you doing? He fell in the whoops, and then he just his bike was facing. It was in the middle, and the bike was facing the the way of the next turn, and he just took off. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, you you would think after the consequences of last year. I mean, that's a pretty pretty significant penalty he faced last year. It may have cost him a title. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, when, you, when we're watching it, we're like, what are you doing? You yeah. got to go back. Yeah. Like, yeah. You cut off 30 feet. Yeah. You got to go back the other way. And just, he just pins it. You know, I, like, I was uh, the same thing. I'm like, what are you doing? You can't do that. You can't, you can't, you can't do <laughs> no, that. Right. You did that last year yeah. and it didn't work. And now you, you're doing it again. But so we didn't, we saw that shake up. Uh, Joey lost a ton of points, uh, ended up uh, 12th in the main and, uh, AC went to the second, but you know, Tomac, Anderson, Marvin, same old, same old. Plessinger, Sexton, and AC. That could be your your podium in a dry race. You know, so it didn't, didn't nothing really shook up too much. Nothing was really crazy. AC had to go to the LCQ. So, um, I don't know really where else to go with this because there wasn't a lot of things that stuck out for me. Uh, I guess Filthy Phil winning the heat race when he fell twice and fell in the first turn and was thirty seconds back or something. DB. He was thirty seconds back with two to go. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was I was watching it today when I got home. I'm watching it, and I'm going, wait, is this the one Phil wins? And I'm looking. I'm like, yeah, yeah there he's in fifth, and he's 32 down. And then the I forget who'd crossed the finish line and says two to go. Yeah. And that that is that is without question. It's got to be the best comeback in history. Nobody has come from 30 seconds down with two laps to go in one one. <laughs> but Phil does it. So it's right. I guess he you you should make him something special, a plaque, trophy, something. Yeah. Because that is an unbeatable record. Wow. Will not be beat again. The tweet of the night was someone who said Phil. Of course, Phil won the heat race. He lives his life around a rain cloud. So he's going to be good at it. You know, he's going to be really good. So, um, but, uh, Plessinger winning, not a shock at all. No one's surprised. He was by far the best guy. How does Plessinger do in the 450 class, JT, if he lined up? In that race? Yeah. Uh, on the podium, on the podium. Right. Probably. He would beat Marv. Yeah. Yeah. He's so good, man. Remember Indiana, remember Indianapolis, like just his dad's a gene. Wygant did want us to throw in about his dad as a GNCC champion. So he's dad's a mutter. He's a mutter, you know. He was the only guy. He was the only guy in the two fifty class where I, he looked like he was having a pretty easy time. Yep. It didn't look. It didn't look that difficult. Everybody else was laboring, and they were just like, "Oh God, I hope this is over soon." He was just kind of riding around. Yeah, it looked pretty easy for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was gonna say bigger surprise. Um. Tomac or, or Plessinger, or, or least least biggest surprise, I should say, Tomac or Plessinger. I guess Plessinger over Tomac, right? We all think that. I mean, that was a that was a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I think the, both of the favorites won. Yeah, you know, Tomac has nothing to lose, and we know he's good when conditions are not great. Um, yep. You always kind of wonder if Tomac's going to throw it away at some point. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I know what you're getting at. It just overall, it was a very kind of uneventful, unpredictable night. For sure, like if you would a, you know, gun to your head, like write down the results, you're going to be pretty close before the race starts. Yeah. Well, good job for Colin Juren to make a main. I think he's made one before. Good job for him. Politelli made it. Uh, Chance Blackburn uh, made it in the 250s. I don't really know much about Chance Blackburn, but nice job for him. Brandon Leith did well, of course, and Summerlin. Dylan Summerlin, anybody? Anybody got anything on Dylan Summerlin? Because he got uh, 13th. Great job. Yeah, I know he's from up he's there. He's a Pacific Northwest guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about what about Josh Hill? That guy was going for it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was. yeah. He was he was fourth for three laps, two laps, two or three laps. He was fourth. Yeah, like if yep. you've ever if you've ever seen somebody and their riding style is you know basically them screaming inside their helmet like they're charging into like a battle scene. That's yeah. what I. I right. thought Josh Hill was like every time was he, he went into a turn. Was he charging life like Rhino? Was he charging life? Yeah, he was like William Wallace. Every time he was around anybody, <laughs> he was like Braveheart. That's exactly what I was thinking in my head, JT. It's straight Braveheart is those first three laps. <laughs> it was like slow motion, music playing, just epic charge, and then down. <laughs> and then down. Um, <laughs> by the way, JT, well, did I, he- kept looking. Oh. I kept looking at the results because I had him on my fantasy team. And I'm like, oh, he's going to do really good. And then he was in, like, 10th. And then he was, like, 17th. And then he was in 20th. I'm like, what is he doing? Every time I see him, he's going faster than anybody out there. Hey, like, Nick- Every time I look at him, he was going the fastest of anybody. And I guess he just kept <laughs> crashing. Nick Schmidt didn't even start. I don't think the, I, I don't think he started. He was done on the first lap, unless he just let the gate drop and rode off back to the pits. Uh, he, went down, he went down in that crash with Bloss and maybe 
Okay. Malcolm's a crash on the first yep. lap, and he was in that, and I think he just packed it yeah, in. Yeah, he never crossed the line right away. I was like, maybe he just said, screw it. Um, the heartbreak, I guess, would go to Mookie. He went from 7th or 8th to bike DNFing and uh, finished 17th. So that was a heartbreak for Mookie. Uh, he'd, he'd been riding really well. Again, he's on my fantasy team, so I was paying attention to him. JT, did Hill get double points? Did he? What, what was his handicap? Did he, did he, he did, it? yeah. He was an 11, and he got 21st. Oh, okay, so sweet. He snuck in there. Yeah, sweet. Um, so, uh, I guess maybe the story – well, first, let's go with this. Before we talk about Super Ross and Hep and all that, Daniel, what was some of the things you said that made you laugh? Like, what what, what haven't we covered? Phil being 30 uh, seconds down. Uh, yep. Okay. That made me laugh. Phil then going um, in the big mud hole oh, that yeah. Nagy went into. <laughs> right. that, I mean – Nagy went in there and never came out. And then when I saw Phil getting squirrely, I could see him pointing left, and I went, no way. And he went right in it, but somehow yeah. he got out of it. And, they, dude, they zoomed in on TV, and they watched him. And I could see that tire digging and digging, and he somehow got it out of there and rode off like nothing ever happened. But just the fact that him, of all people, wins his heat race and then ends up in the mud hole, yeah. I, I just I found that to be funny. Um and then, yeah, just I, I know this doesn't sound great, but the 250, where they all just kept crashing. It was like 10 seconds, another one. 10 seconds. It's like no one wanted to leave wow. the race. And they were all so funny looking crashes because the <laughs> conditions made everyone look like beginners. And I was like, God, this is the best dudes in Supercross in the world. Yeah. But it's more like a local. <laughs> local first practice and well, they're all beginners out there just slopping around it was i just found it funny i i i don't want to be the the negative nelly here but i i, I want to be the negative nelly like take the whoops out when you watch qualifying and you see how that's going take those things out like come on man those guys couldn't get through hard though it's supposed to be hard it, it's hard on 90 percent of the rest of the track maybe you can give these guys a little bit of a breakdown of straightaway or something you know i mean I don't know. I just you saw what qualifying was like. I'm, I think at the highest level, this is the highest, you know. And and the MXGP guys are great. We we know that, whatever. But Supercross racing, this is as good as it gets. This is the highest level you can ever attain. These are the best guys in the world at Supercross racing. I don't. I'm okay with it being hard. I'm I'm okay. No problem. Like whatever. It's not dangerous. They're not going to hurt themselves. Yeah, going no, one no, mile no, an hour. No. You know, so I'm I'm okay with. I I know what you're saying, and I don't 100% disagree with you. But if you if you're gonna tell me, hey man, we're just gonna make it really difficult. Like it's tough. These are the best guys, so it's gonna be hard. I, I'm okay with that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe don't don't ask the fell guys about that one then, Daniel. No, I, I <laughs> okay. won't. Okay. But, All right. But I, Steve, I I mean, I want you to know because I'm with JT on this. I, I don't mind it being difficult. I think it would have been hard either way. But I do see your point, and I think it is what it looked like. You you felt that if it was easier, they would be going faster. It would be more entertaining. We'd see more racing. So I get that. But like I said, I just don't think they can do it. And they actually, I mean, they did throughout the night. It got somewhat – they tried to make it easier as they went. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I think what you're saying is just that full commitment from the beginning and yeah, making just, it a lot yep. faster and easier. And I, like I said, until – the gate drops. I think they're hope they're they're holding out that the thing's going to be decent. Right, that's, that's what they want. So, wow. um, so Cedric Supeross was a bit of a story. I don't know if you covered this on TV at all, Daniel, or did you guys know about it? Or 
I didn't watch the show yet. I, I knew I know about it, but I don't think the TV. I mean, I never did on TV unless they did. I was moving around a lot last night, right. so I didn't hear everything they said. But right. I don't um, know if they brought it up at all. I have no idea. Um, so Cedric Superox is riding for the Nut Up uh, Living One Hundred team, who who drove to Seattle with his bike. He's been doing pretty good. He's a fill-in for Bichelia, and uh, they got to Seattle. And I don't know for sure what happened, but I talked to people who talked to people on One Hundred. And they were not allowed in the building because their truck had too much diesel in it. It's a it's a fire fire safety thing. So you're not allowed to park indoors with a, with with a full tank of diesel or gas or anything. So the guys drove around for a little bit apparently to try to burn something, and then apparently at some point someone made a call. Josh Hansen owns the team or is part owner of it. That they just left. They just left. Subaros flew in. He had boots and helmet and, and other stuff in the truck to race, but no bike. I find this very bizarre, JT, that you would drive to Seattle and then be upset about not being able to park and not figure out a solution and then leave. Definitely a strange deal. Uh, Chad Reed had the same problem. You had to be under a quarter of a tank if you were, you know, an all-in-one where you couldn't. Because, you know, most teams, they drop their tra- trailer and, and yeah. take the truck out, right? Right, right. But if you were an all-in-one, you had to be under a quarter of a tank, according to the fire marshal. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can understand that frustration. I don't know that going home makes the most sense. Um, but I do know that Subarus didn't have gloves, so he was forced to wear fire racing gloves. So, in the end, I'm okay with all this. Out. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, he – okay, so um, – so he he was not able to race or whatever, and and they got him a um, Hep Suzuki, got him a bike. They had a bike on the truck, a stock bike. They they disassembled it and put it together. And suspension was pipes of suspension from Race Tech, and JGR gave him a subframe and a throttle body, and he went right. And CD got him some boots. Somebody from CD got him boots. He wears Fox boots normally. They were too big, so he said his feet were sliding around in them. He wore fly. He wore fly gloves. He got a fox helmet from somebody. He had his gear, so the gear was right. And Subaros goes out there, gets thirteenth, a season best. And I don't know for sure what's going on, but after the race, it sure seemed like they were going to keep him on, and uh, you know, keep helping him out. So that's a a real cool story. It may, you know, really made a, the best out of a bad situation. But uh, props to Subaros for. And the T and, and Hap and JGR and everybody. That's really cool, uh, Daniel. Well, not only is it cool that they let him use the bike, but the weekend that they chose to do it too, they pretty much just destroyed a dirt bike for the guy. Like, here you go, go <laughs> ruin this bike all the way. So yeah, and, and as far as the story goes, I think everything you said was right. I heard all the same things, um, and I and I did hear at some point they were trying to like siphon the fuel out into someone else's trailer. I mean that. I heard they were trying to get the fuel out. And then as far as leaving, I don't know why. I did reach out to NutUp. I'm, I'm super close with the NutUp guys. And I called them in the morning. I said, whoa, I'm, I'm seeing stuff on the Internet. What's happening? And they were still trying to get to the bottom of it because they have people there representing the company, you know, giving out samples and the pits. And so they were all there, and they were at the same thing. They were wondering where the truck was. So I don't know the reason for leaving. And I, I – I mean, I don't see why you couldn't have just parked outside and moved the bikes in with a the canopy. There was privateers in there, whatever. They, they so did. I, don't, I mean, yeah, I, they, I, they did not nut up. Nobody nutted up. 
from the Nutter no, team? No, no. And, and like I said, I, I don't know who made the final call on, all right, let's just go home. But, um, yeah, as far as the Nutter guys are concerned, they were, they were as confused as everyone else. They were on the phone trying to figure wow. out, like, they were reading on the and where, where's the truck? I, so you must have told them about my Twitter feed or something? Because... No, that oh. was after. See, I saw okay. your Twitter, and then I saw their response, and that's when I called them. Yeah, they like, started. Hey, what, so what nut, the heck? Yeah, so nut up. I just I didn't attach them or anything. It's not their fault, but I just said the nut up Suzuki team left, and Subaru's is screwed or whatever. This is on Friday, and then nut up itself was, and people were like going, "Ah, oh, that's bullshit." Uh, not nothing about nut up though. Nobody was like, "Screw the nut company," you know. I right. think everybody knows it's not the nut company's fault. And, and then nut up people on Twitter were just just putting out all the flames. <laughs> It's not us, bro. We just sponsored the team. Yeah. So, like I said, they I think they were in constant update mode too, like finding yeah. out and right. probably seeing all the just seeing all I mean, I'm sure they heard about it cuz I think Vital even had a thread. And so I think they were yeah, putting out flames and being like, "Whoa, whoa, wait, we're here. Like this isn't us." Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's just the team that they sponsor. So, Yeah. Although I don't I don't understand that either. Um I, I talked to the owner of NetUp, Joey Roche, and he said he reached out and he's going to try to do something with Sebaeus and help him individually too. I mean, they're he, they're they're going to go kind of above and beyond to like help out the situation. At oh, least that's for him. cool. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, he's the one who got screwed. He's the one who showed up with no boots or gloves or helmet or <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah, so no. I, I think, and that's cool on everybody. Like JJ, I mean, that's cool, and that's one of the things about the sport we do lose sight of sometimes is how when something like that happens, everyone will rally up and and make sure a guy that's especially well, a guy from another country is Sup- taken care of. You know, Superos beat all the Hep guys. And he beat Malcolm. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, he 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 was good. He, he they helped the other guy to beat all their own riders. So, um, and again, Super Ross knows how to ride. He knows how to stay off his clutch. Everybody. So, um, right. Heartbreak for McElrath to lose two spots on the last two laps. He was looking good in second. Kind of got stuck. Then he went, then he went down. I think somewhere in the last lap. So McElrath went from second to fourth, just like that in the last two laps. Justin Starling JT rode well all day. Got a fifth. Good job for Starling. Yeah, that was impressive. It's really impressive. Um, Tickle, too. Uh, not surprised, Blair, that uh, Brock Tickle did well. Rides good in this stuff. Got a fourth. Yeah, I, I think we all saw that coming. I mean, maybe not what number place he was going to get, but yeah, yeah. for sure he was going to be good there, and he's smart and strong. You know he would get through it. And that, Like when I saw him in fourth, I went, yep, that's, yeah. that's just about right. Right. Uh, Chad had an eventful day. By the way, uh, he had some great um, – he had some great uh, homemade Mexican stuff going on underneath his tent. JT, did you go over there at all? I did not. I okay. I, uh, I swung by a couple times, but uh, did not partake. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. Some some catering that was just great. Uh, so thanks for to the team two two for that. But uh, so Chad uh, had a, he ran fifth for pretty much the whole race. Then his bike started to let go. Uh, clutch started to let go, and he's losing compression. He said. And then his bike went uh, with one on going basically in the last turn. And I didn't know this, but it used to be the rule, JT, and your mom scores, JT, so you know this. The rule used to be the top of the finish line was, was you had to get there. Now, the transponder line was always buried at the bottom. It can't be buried at the top because the ruts get too deep and, and it clips the line and, and it doesn't work. So they have to bury the, the transponder line at the base of the jump to give it the most protection uh, from getting exposed. So that's where the actual transponder goes off. But the rule was where you finish at the top of the jump is where you finish. That's the actual finish. And they use the AMA flagger guy for breaking ties or whatever. Uh, transponder was not used for that. Well, that changed, though, since that Canary Pike deal at Daytona. And the transponder is now official. 
Did either one of you know that? Yeah, I, I did know that, but it doesn't matter. He he was the last guy on that lap, so it didn't matter. He could have he could have finished. He could, his bike could have broke half a lap before that. He was going to still get the same position he got. It wouldn't have mattered at all. Well, no, because, well, yeah, because uh, Bowers passed him. You know, on the, on right, the last no, turn. Right, no, I'm yeah. saying he he was going to get eighth or he got seventh. Seven. He was going to get seventh regardless of if he got over the jump or didn't yeah. get over the jump or if, you know, okay, so way to, before that or way to shit on the whole story. The incredible Ryan, no, know, Ryan Hughes, the incredible Ryan Hughes push well, up the finish story. I know. I just have heard this over and over. It's like, oh my God, it's, he's miraculous that he got across, and he's so. I'm like, no, it didn't even matter. It was completely irrelevant whether he pushed it or didn't push it, or he even <laughs> finished that lap. It was our, you know, and that's great for him. It's very fortunate that he was, you know, he rode well enough to be the last one ahead of those guys, but, you know, there was all this drama and people in the press box are yelling, like, did he finish? And I'm like, doesn't matter, like, under my breath, you know, like, well, you know, frustrating. Right. How about that, Daniel? JT just shitting all over the, the incredible <laughs> inspirational story. <laughs> that, that's so fun. See, that's another thing I laughed about. Because right, right. JT's right. It had no effect on the results. Chad, you know, the old, what's it, Custard's final, final, final mm-hmm. stand, well, Chad's final push. Across the finish line yeah. meant nothing for the result. But let me tell you right now, anyone that's jumped off the Chad Reed uh, bandwagon because of just this rough year, they're all back on. My phone bet? lit up. <laughs> Chad is the man. Chad is a le- Well, maybe not everybody. But Chad is a legend. What are- even my wife. My wife texts me. That was what Chad did. So even though it didn't count for any position, that push, <laughs> dude. People loved it. I mean, well, look at Twitter. People are so stoked on it. Uh, JT's going to reach out to each and every one night. of those people on Twitter. <laughs> I, I even texted him last night and said that he rode really well. Um, the push thing, like, I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone's going to do the same thing. What do you, you know, you think everyone's just going to be like, ah, whatever, I'll just leave right here. I'm just going to sit right here and, you know, I won't, I won't try to push <laughs> right. it. Like, the push thing was like whatever. Like it just you know Chad's such a legend and that fits his personality and all that. Like it's great. Um, but I I was more impressed by the ride. Like I thought he rode really well. He rode really smart. He didn't make big mistakes because his pace wasn't great. Like Webb and uh, for a while Baggett and then Bowers they were faster than him. But he was he was really smart. Like he he would choose better lines than they would and he wouldn't grew up you know they would have three good laps in a row and then one terrible one and he would kind of just do his thing which is you know that's kind of the story of his career um but yeah i I even texted him and said that was an incredible ride okay can we get back to the finish though uh daniel did you know that the rules changed and it's the transponder line (laughs) we we circled back to that Um, well yeah i had no idea jt wants to shit on it and you want to make it the best thing ever in motocross Blair. so i'm really torn between you two (laughs) are you just trying to balance this thing i'm trying to yeah because yeah i don't i don't know what the line i didn't know what the line was i just i i knew that he somehow got across the transponder line but then yeah we were hearing in the in the ears in the truck that chad was the last guy anyway so it wouldn't really matter anyway but no, and JT's point is right. His riding was good the entire day, uh, heat race night. He looked good, but just the way it looked with the smoke and the push, and, I mean, we're talking about a kind of a stale-ish main event, and then there's that. I, I just know that people, you know people are, JT. They get they get caught up in that. And it was oh, a, for sure. It was, it was the a legendary most, look. In, yeah, coolest, most inconsequential thing I've ever seen. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> 
somehow a backhanded compliment uh, it's, it comes across. No, no, it was awesome. Like like I said, he wrote great. That's not his fault that it didn't matter. Um, I mean, he he did what, but I, you know, like everyone was just like, that's, I mean, oh my God. I'm like, yeah, but like everyone, if you're battling for seventh and your bike starts to blow up before the finish, you're going to try to push it. You know, like I was like, ah, all right, you know, whatever. That's where I beg to differ because I wouldn't have. <laughs> Blair just comes out and says, I, I, "I'm not racing in the mud. I'm not pushing my bike up the line." I mean, I think it, I think it was very befitting of Chad Reed. I'll give it that because you know, with the Daytona thing, you know, they showed they even showed Daytona several times before the main event with the, with his bike blowing up, and he, I mean, he was winning that race by over a minute at Daytona in 2008, and his bike, you know, gives up on the last lap. So to have that, you know, foreshadowing before the main event. I, you can't ask for a better script than that. You know, that's <laughs> incredible TV. All right. Uh, before we wrap this thing up, we'll go to commercial break here on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Alpine Stars and Maxis Tires. We thank those guys for coming on board. Listen to this commercial from Race Tech to save, and we'll be right back after this and see what else JT and Daniel Blair can shit on. Stay tuned. Race Tech suspension and engines, people. Pulpum X18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Racetech specializing in high-performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Racetech, guys like the HEP Suzuki team, and many more in the pits use Racetech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulpamex 18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, Racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. And we're back. Fly Racing Racer X podcast show, flyracing.com. Please check them out. Fly Racing rider Justin Brayton, JT, not stellar in these conditions. And he, he got 20th. Uh, no surprise there. To, you want me to shit on him now? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, but if you, my, if you want to talk about a guy who struggled, it, and not surprisingly, well, it's, Justin Brayton. It's funny because I, yeah, it's funny. I was talking to um, just a, you know, one of the people that had, were just there, just a fan basically during the day. And uh, they were like, oh, man, what do you think about Brayton? Like, after the Daytona thing, like, this could be another opportunity. I'm like, no. No, 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 no. no. That's, just, that's, that's not how I see this going. No. Just, you know, I'm not trying to take a shot at him, but I don't, I don't see this going that way. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, he just he didn't look like he wanted to be out there or had any – any business being at the he, front all day, you he, know, he was battling for the last spot in qualifying, and qualifying. He got ninth like, on the last lap. Yeah, he got ninth on the last yeah, lap, was, and, and Carlin Gardner was gunning for him. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could just tell he was just like, get me the hell out of here. And uh, also, too, by the way, outside of fly racing, uh, Alpine Stars and uh, Maxxis tires as well. Jeremy McGrath using Maxxis, Alpine Star Protection, Tech 10 boots, A4 chest pro. My favorite, the Tech 7 boots. Love the Tech 7s. Daniel, you got jacked up feet. You should try the Tech 7s when you get a bike again. Those, uh, those were the ones I wore at the end. They were, they're the only ones that would work for me. They were awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, yeah, so talked about Brighton a little bit. 
Talked about Chad. Um, what else? Uh, talked about Super Ross. Bowers rode really well. So, Daniel, you you and Bowers have buried the beef? <laughs> you guys have buried beef? I guess. I guess. I mean, I interviewed him. That's How'd that go? As far as it went. It was awesome. I was a little intimidated, but it was who, good. When I was looking I mean, at I mean, we're, I on, live, we're on live on live TV. Like, what's he going to do? Well, who who yeah, said, let's, let's get him over here? Who, who said that? Or how'd that work? It was... So they put like a like I guess some kind of a backdrop uh, at the exit of the tunnel and had me go there after both mains and said round up four five six or who we can get you know and uh, just kind of be ready to grab some people. So as they're coming off, um, I had help. There was a guy there that was helping kind of guide you guys go to the podium. You stop there, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they stopped Webb, Tickle, and Bowers. So I'm on the headset and they're like, okay, who do you got? And Bowers was the first one available. I said I got Bowers. So he comes over and. You know, yeah. lights, camera, action, baby, and we we settled the beef on live TV. We're good. I would like to see some, a wrestling move where he attacks you on TV. Well, yeah. What if he I did? Would, when I was when I saw pictures of this of you two, all I could think of is if he decided to just go nuts on you right there, like he just wanted to nut up on you right there, it would go so poorly for you. And I, I know <laughs> there was nothing I could do. The, oh my God! The bear is attacked Blair. The bear is attacking Daniel Blair. <laughs> it would have been very the Revenant, a real bear. It would have been Leonardo DiCaprio and the Revenant all over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, good times. Um, but no, it, it was good. He, he was good. He was stoked. Yeah, um, obviously, yeah, I think yeah. it was his best finish, and he was happy. And um, I, the only thing is, he made me laugh one time. Well, I didn't laugh, but I held my straight face. But uh-huh. he kept calling Chad a lapper. In the, uh, in the interview, yeah, I thought Chad was a lapper. And I was well, like, oh, okay. man, yeah. people aren't going to like that. Well, but, he, yeah, I mean, if that's what he thought, that's what he thought. It wasn't a bad thing to say. It was a terrible race for condition-wise. No. Anything could have happened. Yeah, Chad Reed could have been a lapper. You know what I mean? Like, that's not crazy talk. Right. Yeah. No, but I just remember hearing it and going, right, oh, right. man, like, you know, I mean, come on, we know what world we live well, in. Well, like, you should have went, you should respond. You should have went, well, Tyler, you know, actually, your racecraft's a little off. That that legend, Chad <laughs> Reed, he was not a lapper, Bowers. Uh, I don't know why you would think that. He's He's got 48 Supercross wins, and, you know, you got none, and then you watch the bear just attack and, you. And if his clutch didn't fry, I mean, you wouldn't have got him. But, right, yeah, also you know, bring okay. up that. Right, right. And then see how that goes for me. <laughs> Exactly. Um, JT, talking about uh, a team that you work with, a little bit with is the uh, Rocky Mountain guys. And Baggett had an up-and-down day, on the ground a lot, fast a lot, on the ground, fast, on the ground, fast. Yeah, he was pretty uh, downtrodden going into the night. Like, he was just like, man, I grew up in the 909. Like, I don't have any business in this stuff. No. Um, you know, he, I don't think he had really high expectations. Uh, but he, I thought he rode pretty well. You know, like he, his starts were really good, and he wasn't too bad. If he, I think if he wouldn't have crashed on the downside of the finish line, uh, he would have been top five, top six, seven, something like that. Because uh, he got the start and was kind of out of trouble, and then he fell over. And, um, yeah, it was just he was kind of downhill from there. But uh, I don't think he really felt like it was going to be his night, you know, yeah. from just looking at the forecast going into the weekend. Anybody surprise you? Uh, I'll start with you, JT. Anybody surprise you that we haven't talked about so far? Have I missed somebody that was surprising, either good or bad? Something else from the race that? Um, I don't think surprising. Um, I am a little interested to see, and it's it's one of those things where you and I kind of geek out on these stories within a story. But 
I think the battle between Savachi, Cinturillo, and McElrath for second is kind of the way it's shaping up now. Um, I'm interested to see how that kind of goes because those three are – it was the battle for the title, but now they're they're all kind of close in there. And you never know what's going to happen. Plessinger could, you know, tweak an yeah. ankle or do something stupid. Uh, but there's there's still four guys that are all race winning capable that are that are in this mix. So McElrath, I thought left some points out there. He should have you know he should have been second by all by all accounts and uh, kind of threw that away and gave some points back, which he really desperately needed. Uh, so I, I'll be interested to watch that as it plays out all the way to Vegas. Uh, Daniel, what about you? Anybody good or bad that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I was surprised about a couple of things, and it's not it's not big deals, but I was kind of surprised with Marvin in the main. Um, he looked so good in his heat race. I don't. I mean, he had the cleanest bike of anybody. He he looked fine out there. He was really calculated, smooth. Lap times were solid, and I was kind of surprised how far away they got and how he just kind of sat there. And he even said that in the press conference, like I just rode too careful. I didn't really. I, I he didn't let it go at all. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of surprised that he wasn't better in the main. Um, and then, yeah, that 250 class, I, Savachi, I was surprised with too. Obviously these, the elements out there were what they were, but you know, he won the last mud race in Vegas when it was the shootout, uh, 2016. So I kind of came into the right, the night thinking, okay, he, he, I know Plessinger's good in these situations and this soil, but Savachi is too. And he's right there. Adam's the guy who's been kind of on the gas lately. He's the fastest in qualify out of his group. I thought it was going to be a little bit closer between those three. And then obviously Joey had his night. Mm-hmm. Adam had, I felt bad luck. To, well, not bad. I mean, kind of bad luck, but finding that clutch ruined everything. Put him on the LCQ outside. He charged through and got third, which was great. But I just felt like that 250 championship storyline just kind of slipped away. And I, and I, I didn't expect that. I kind of thought it was going to be a little bit better between those three. I don't know how Adam got third. He was 14th or 13th halfway through the race or something like he was I didn't even notice him for the longest time you know obviously some guys fell in and he rode really well good job for Adam he was buried so um yeah it's uh it's interesting to to have a race like that uh Cooper Webb got fifth good job for Webb um so this Josh Hill thing uh Daniel I think it's gonna go the next two races have you heard that the last I heard was yeah, that Barsha's supposed to come back in Salt Lake. So Hill was on a just a one-race base. He told me kind of jokingly, he's like, I think if I do good, they'll let me race next week. And I think if I do bad, they'll say thank you and then just that's it. Okay. And so that was the last I heard from him. But then after the race, I did hear that at least just the way things went. I mean, he got along with everybody. I mean, there was just a good vibe that it's they're going to maybe give him another shot because it was kind of a – I wouldn't say an unfair race. I mean, that's it no, is what it is. But I think it was. I think they yeah. want to let him race a regular one and see how he does. And I don't, I don't think his expectations are too high for himself. But hey, I mean, why not? I, I, it's, I, he's a. I know, I know, you're not the hugest fan, but there are a lot of fans that do like him. So I think that they see it as a kind of a win-win. Let him ride two more. That's that was the last I heard as I was leaving the stadium last night. I, I was a fan of us. I don't understand why he turned into kind of a d bag with me. I mean, I, I yeah, but he's a good he's a good rider. And I thought he was a cool guy, and then we kind of he didn't like me for making jokes about monster. Wah! Um, JT, what, what do you think? Next two races for Hill? I mean, that's 
What, what do you think about that for Josh? I don't see why not. I mean, uh, you know, he obviously has a great relationship with Monster, which is a huge sponsor of that team. You know, he was a Yamaha guy. He started his career as a factory Yamaha racer. You know, I, I don't see what the downside of any of that would be other than, yeah, okay, it costs some money to get him to the race or whatever. But yeah. you saw he was trying. Like, he wanted to be out there. I mean, that was the most aggression I've seen out of anybody in quite a while. I mean, he definitely wants to do this. So we're going to a race in Minneapolis that he won in 2008. You know, why not? Let's do it. I, I don't see any downside to it yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You can't, I don't know about giving him one shot at, at a mud race like that and being like, oh, yeah, we're done. Right? Like, you got, you yeah, got but it. if Barsha can't go, yeah. why not? Like, what, you no. know, other than parts and, okay, yeah, it's going to cost you $1,000 in travel or whatever. <clears throat> but, I mean, you're going to get a guy that's legit. He's going to go for it. And yeah, no, by all accounts, if it's dry, he could be a top ten guy. Yeah, I don't see, uh, I don't see the downside like you. Yep, exactly. Um, okay. What else? Anything else, boys? Daniel, Blair? I think the one thing, I, the one other thing I was going to add is uh, quietly, I think Chase Sexton is becoming a legit guy. You know, when we look at 2019, we're going to have to consider Sexton as a you know a real contender i mean he's he's not getting the headlines but he's good man he like he's really good he's good in the dry he's good in the wet yeah nice especially work. when conditions deteriorate but he's coming along nice work in indianapolis sexton <laughs> yeah well he was fast though. yeah he he was i think he would like to throw that one away because you talk about those points you take that one out of there and he's not far away from that group too that second place third place fourth place group so um, but JT, I do. I agree with you. And I, and when I see, you know how it is sometimes when you see these rookies come in and you see flashes, but you're like, okay, he doesn't get it all the way, or he's still a little shell shocked. And Sexton looks like this is his third or fourth year. He doesn't look like a rookie. Yeah. And all the fundamentals are in play. I mean, when I see him, I feel like the base is there, the fundamentals. Um, there's nothing on the track. Like you know, some of these guys, you're like, oh, he's good everywhere, but here, he's got everything together. And then yeah, he goes and gets a couple podiums. I think this was his third one. And yeah, moving forward, you just you can't help but go. Okay, give him another summer and give him another off season. And why couldn't he be a contender for sure? Maybe winning races. Maybe he's not ready to go for a championship. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, I, I think he could take the Forkner jump that Forkner took this year in his second year, where he goes and wins two races and maybe crashes out of one or whatever. But there is no reason not to believe that he is kind of on that same level as Forkner as yeah. he's, he's that next generation of, of that 250 class. Yeah, to, to me, he just, you know, he fits the the cliche of, you know, the moment doesn't look too big for him. Like, he just looks like, yep. it's like okay, yeah, I can do this. Let's, let's go. You know, like, he just, no problem. Like, he fits right into the podium level guys, and he's not intimidated, and he's not, you know, he doesn't make mistakes, and... I'm I'm impressed. I didn't expect a, I didn't expect this anyway. I expected to be good, but I didn't expect this. Well, apparently, you know, I don't follow the amateurs, but uh, he was giving Forkner all he could handle before he started getting hurt. You know, so he's on that level. Uh, congr- oh yeah! Congratulations to Jess Pettis, Canadian Zone, Canada Zone, 17. She was awesome. Uh, she was so good in that LCQ. Second in the I'll, I'll ignore those jokes. Uh, second in the LCQ for Jess. So good job. Um, what else? Uh, you know what's strange is you look at Anderson, man, and we talked about him off the start, and I totally agree with what you said, Daniel. Like, he was riding like it was dry, and he's aggressive. He has four wins. He has 27 laps led. So that means he's got seven laps average per race win. You know, uh, it's just a bizarre stat line. 
no hole shots. You know, it's a very bizarre stat line. He only has two more laps led than Ken Roxon. Remember Ken Roxon? Remember how long ago Ken Roxon left? Uh, Eli has 101 laps led. Uh, Marvin has twice the money laps led as Anderson. And none of this matters, of course, because Anderson's going to win this thing. But what a bizarre stat line. Just all-timer. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. All right, good stuff, Steve. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for telling no, us. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I don't good. know who that was for. I, wow, whatever. Yeah. Well, I, you know, for him, we've talked about this, you know, ad nauseum, but he's, he just hasn't made the big mistake. You know, even his bad night, he's been able to pull out a four or a seven. He hasn't had the weekend where he's crashed and got zero points, and then he's got an injury leaving on top of it. Like, he's just been there the whole time. And, yeah, he hasn't been, you know, McGrath 96 or whatever. Yeah. But – you look at his whole season, and he's anytime there's been adversity, he's fi- he's found a way to o- overcome it. And for a guy who's never been known for consistency, he's nope. been the picture of consistency this year. But even like Ryan Dungey was a consistent picture of consistency for many of his titles, and he had a bigger stat line than that. I mean, hey, I'm not. Uh, I'm not I don't know. I mean, yeah. last year, last year he was. No, there's no way you would say he was the best guy. No, but nope. I think the two years prior to that. You know, 15 and 16, he was definitely the best guy. When After Villapoto left, I would say he was the best guy without a doubt. Yeah, but, so, his, but his other two, you know, before that. Yeah, I, I in just, 2010, you know, him and Villapoto were, were equal. I would say they were pretty close, like they were back and forth. Yeah. Uh, and then 15, 16, he was easily the best guy. Of 17, Tomac, you know, Tomac gave it to him, which I think in 2018 you could say the same thing. Marvin and Tomac maybe didn't give it to him. But if you want me to pick the best, fastest rider in this class, I'm going to pick Tomac every time, and that's not going to be good enough to win a title yet again. Daniel, you got a stat actually uh, to kind of compare these guys that we've just been talking about. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on the gas, guys. I'm. Uh, I'm on the computer, and I'm looking it up. And check this out. So last year, after the 13th round, Dungey had 276 points. This year, after the 13th round, Anderson has 288. So he's got eight on him, but four of those wins gave him one extra point because of the new points format. So take those extra couple points for the first, seconds, and thirds, and it's no, you know, actually, everything lifted a little this year. So it's probably pretty. I mean, it's pretty damn close. No, yeah, no, he's got yeah, he's got 12 on him, but with those points taken away, he's got eight. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would I would think that if you told me that, I'm, that's not surprising is what I'm trying to say. I'm just not very articulate. Uh, it's not surprising to me because I don't think Dungey was anywhere near his best self last year. I mean, I, I think Marvin, at no. the end of the year, Marvin was better than Ryan. Eli was clearly better than Ryan for most of the year. Um, I think, you know, Anderson's had a better year than and, and faster. He's faster than Ryan was last year, but Ryan was just a machine. I mean, the guy was just incapable of, of making a bad decision when it come, came to racing. So, you know, those sevens and stuff that, that uh, Anderson had earlier, I, you know, Ryan didn't have those. So um, when we look back on it, it, it'll be interesting to me when we look back over the years to see what the narrative is. If, if Anderson can seal the deal on this thing, uh, I, I know I'll have my opinion that he was good when it counted and it, it isn't always the fastest guy that wins these things. Uh, you know, I think Stewart, was the best guy in most of the series that he was ever in. But, you know, he didn't win a lot of those. So uh, Tomac is kind of in that situation now where it, it, 
obviously pays a lot of money to go really fast and win a lot of races, but if we're counting titles, he's leaving a lot of them on the table by, you know, early season mistakes. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, you know, yeah. I mean, last year, Ryan was third best, most people would say, and he won the title. That's all that matters, yeah, right? Yeah, but will it matter, though, I guess, is my question. When we look, you know, yeah. if you go back to, to Emig's 97 Supercross title, you and I were, were there, Steve. We were at every race, or, you know, I would assume. And McGrath was, in my opinion, the best guy. He didn't win the title. You know, he had issues and flat tires and clutch problems and Suzuki issues and all kinds of stuff going on. And Emig won the title, and he deserved the title. But does anyone remember that? You know, I don't think many people do. I think they're just going to look at the record book and say, oh, yeah, Emig won. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, but that yeah. wasn't really the story. And will will Tomac get any credit for this year, or will it just be like, yep, Anderson won. That's how it goes. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how uh, that plays I think, out. I think you just go. He won the title. That's it. That's yeah, how. That, I, that's I would it. agree yep. with you too. I just I, I find interest in that right. narrative, knowing that we will have lived through every race and we'll remember. But the average fan or the average person, and this happens in every sport. Yeah. You know the 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 sub stories and all the behind-the-scenes stuff of why that result became to be, people don't remember. You know, we're, we just happen to be living this, and, you know, it's part of our jobs to know. But mm-hmm. Yeah, Daniel, you agree with that? Yeah, and I think the narrative, I mean, I'm going to compare this to football a little bit, but it really depends on what Anderson, if he, if he does win. I mean, hypothetically, we're talking he wins this thing. I think it has a lot to do with what he does after, because you look at teams in football that have won, like the Baltimore Ravens, they – they got in there and won one, and then that's it. But then you talk about dynasties like the Patriots, these teams that get there a lot, and that's where the big question with Anderson, will this be a standalone, and for the next three years, will he just be kind of average? Then it might look worse. It's, it's almost like he's putting himself in a position where you better back this up for a few years, otherwise the conversation's going to go, yeah, this was a year where everyone got hurt, that's why you won. Yeah. He really wasn't that good, and then that's not fair, but that's what it will look like if he doesn't, back this up for a couple of years. I'm not saying win it, but yeah. back it up and be like at that level following this championship yep. if he gets it. Yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, Dunge, when Dunge won his first, it was like, wow, Stu crashed out. What happened to Chad that year? Uh, he got hurt too. He was yeah. on a Cowie. Yeah, he was yeah, in the Cowie. And, and RV was was crashed out. RV had more wins, I think, when he crashed in St. Louis. And Dunge got one, and we were all, okay, well, great job. Let's see what he does, and we all know the rest. The rest is history. The kid backed it up more than more than ever, and he's one of the all-time greats. But uh, it might be looked at pawn like that for a little bit, and then yeah, well, uh, what you're right, Daniel. It'll be really interesting in in 2019 to see exactly what he what he what he does with it. You know, so. But I think I think Dungey faced that for a lot of years. He he he's definitely been tagged with, and and Chad has been tagged with the same thing too. And I think unfairly in both cases that they only won when everybody else got hurt. That, that's what I've heard it said about Chad, you know, with Stu getting hurt and Ricky getting hurt, you know, in 04 and 08. Um, Dungey winning, you know, in 10 when RV got hurt and then he didn't win again until RV retired, you know. So I don't think that's really a fair rap. You know, you can only race basically who shows up. But it happens, you know. I don't know if that will happen with again with Anderson, but I've definitely heard it over the years. Yeah, well. I've heard that too. Yeah, Daniel Blair's got that regional lights arena cross title and no one no one remembers what happened with that series well it's what happens when you win by 70 points yep. no one remembers because it's like it never happened <laughs> i mean when you have an when, average of 10 years older than anybody when else you go out that. and you beat plumbers and construction <laughs> workers 
and you dominate them like the way Daniel Blair did? I mean, what what are you going to no, do? No, they weren't plumbers and construction workers. These were these were children. <laughs> they were well, they had they had, uh, they had their SATs on the final round, so they all missed yeah. the final round. Yeah, I technically I, I only won because most of my competition couldn't do the Friday night races because they were at school. <laughs> so I and I got One to do every missed, round. Points leader missed because of a homecoming dance. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, it, nobody's taking that away place, from you, Blair. No one's gonna take that away. Second from you. place missed uh, missed the round because of prom. Whatever. I didn't. Yeah. Hey, you right. said it. Yeah, this, Record books. Stand. Uh, yeah. He had his driver's test that night. I mean, what are you going to do? Driver's <laughs> test or arena cross? I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Anything else, boys? Seattle? No, it was a pretty boring race. We're going. I didn't. Honestly, going into this, I didn't know what we were going to talk about. I, I don't know either. Yeah, I think we did a good job as it was. But Triple Crown this week in Minneapolis, so we're back, and I love we will have Crown. shit tons to talk about next week. Absolutely. So, um, looking forward to that. Daniel, when you when you make this phone call. When we get off, I expect you to make a phone call. You know, I know Mathis is going to be on you too to make a phone call to to uh, Kenneth Feld immediately. Uh, <laughs> yeah, try to get some more triple crowns added too. That would be yeah, yeah. At, uh, one of my requests as well. Yeah, add that to the bottom of the list. Well, luckily they don't roll their eyes anytime I suggest anything. So yeah, right. Um, I'm sure they'll listen because they they obviously do yeah. not. But uh, <laughs> I agree with you, JT. I'm, hey, I don't. I mean, I, I don't think we want to go down that road right now. But man, bring on them triple crowns! Bring them on! I, I I love them, and I and I think the last one proved why. Six different winners, six different main event finals, whatever. I don't want to go down that road. Oh, here we go. I don't. I don't want to go down that road. But what I'm getting at is, I think that format it it works for me. That's all I gotta say. It works for me. Can you? I'm not saying go 17, but I'll take I'll take six or whatever. You know, like I'll take some more. They're good. Can you tell? I'm down. Hey. Okay. Never how about this, JT? Six showed. Uh, six. Um, six uh, triple crowns, which you can't call them triple. Crown. I guess you can still call them a triple crown. But um, six of those, four showdowns. Time them out. Houston, Dallas. Let's get some more of those. I want whatever they did this year. Double it next year. Do the just just double it. We gotta. Are we still allowed to count? Are we still allowed to call them the triple crown after the uh, the Dungey Cooksey incident? If there was no crown. Does that count for the triple? Crown? I don't know. Just everybody, give let's give a round of applause, though, everybody, for the press conference. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> Listen, we can't, we can't, we got to find a name. If I hear Ralph, when I go to rewatch Minneapolis and Ralph talks about the guy who's leading the first one, how he's never won a main event before, I'm going to lose my mind on Ralph. Okay, we got to come up with a name, everybody. Got to come up Would with you a name. Say race one, race two. No, I think that's too generic. Because it is a race. Everything's a race. Mm. Seattle was a race. You know, it's too generic. Main event. Those are main events. No. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, we're stuck with what we're stuck with this year. But that's the one. That I, that's one of the things I would like to change moving forward. I kind of wish they were all three were main events. So that's. I mean, maybe that's the big. Maybe instead of changing the name, how about we just let them be main events. And not for, be for the record single book. point deals for the record book. Yeah, yeah. Make them three main events. Dude, tonight. the team, man, the teams won't want that. They already told the, the they don't want to lose seventy five points in a night if if a crash happens or something. You know, they don't. It's a massive point swing if if you have an issue. Yeah, that's true. You're completely out of it. But no, no surprise, JT. The guy with the band called the main event wants more main events everywhere. He's got the band main event. <laughs> he wants more main events in the sport. 
just yeah, main events. That's that's that's. What if we what if we call them all pulpies? Pulpy one. I think that'd be fantastic. I think that would be fantastic. Add that. (laughs) Add that to Kenneth's list, Blair. No, they're going to call them main event motos, dude. Okay, all right, fantastic. There we go. All right, Mm -hmm. Uh, thanks to Fly Racing, official gear of all three of us on the phone here. Uh, Thanks to Barrison Gloves. As well. Super S. Official glove of Cedric Severus. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and uh, and Alpine Stars and Maxis all for coming on board. Thank you, people, for listening. Daniel Blair, Jason Thomas, thanks, boys. See ya. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, percent i am not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like beating a dead horse you know and i know from personal experience did anybody ever sit me down of course they did everybody did go circuits mitch payton there's two ways to make the money one is you can sign for money or two you can earn the money i'm a high believer in earning the money i think they ride better when they earn the money seven time jeremy mcgrath I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pit and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, hey,